Well, good morning. It's good to be here. I've been pondering uh, this weekend and this past week, thinking of, of coming here, how a lot can change in five years. Five years ago this morning, I would be sitting here, single, no children, no cancer, not living in Tennessee, and here we are five years later, and God is faithful, God is good, and things change, but he does not change, and I'm very, very grateful for that. This morning, I would like to take a look in the book of Joshua, and we're going to be reading a lot of scripture there this morning, but God is faithful, and the question is, what are we in return? Are we faithful? And I've titled the message this morning, Delivered or Destroyed. And we're going to be looking at two accounts here in the book of Joshua, and I'm going to be reading more scripture than I maybe often would on a Sunday morning service. But I think it's good for us to, to recount these stories, and there are little details, at least for myself, that I often forget, uh, little nuances that I think will be helpful as we go along this morning. So I'm going to be reading several chapters, starting in Joshua chapter 2, and we'll be covering the familiar account of Rahab in the city of Jericho, the conquest of Jericho, and then uh, Ai and the situation with Achan. So here at the beginning of the book of Joshua, we have the children of Israel just having completed their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Moses has died. Joshua has taken over. He's been, uh, Moses lays his hands on him. Joshua is filled with wisdom. And he's leading the people. And now, Joshua chapter 2 is the beginning of this push into the promised land after this 40 years of wandering. So I'm going to read chapter 2 in its entirety. I'm going to be reading from the ESV this morning. Joshua chapter 2. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I did not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. 
Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun, and they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. So familiar account, and maybe we don't condone Rahab's lying to protect the spies, but what I find fascinating in this story is Rahab's proclamation of belief, belief in Israel's God. If we go to verse 11 especially, you know, the people of the land have melted. These Sihon and Og, these major kings in the region, have been destroyed. And they're remembering what happened more than 40 years ago, coming out of Egypt. That's lived on through this time. And there's still fear of the people. And Rahab says, for the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. And she's looking for salvation, essentially, when Israel comes and she believes the, the inevitable fall of Jericho that's, that's pending. So she pleads for deliverance. Now we're going to fast forward a bit and talk about the conquest of, of Jericho, touch on that. But in between, that's chapter 6. So in between, Israel crosses the Jordan River. We have the priests being in the, stepping into the Jordan and the water uh, piling up and then draining away to the, the uh, Dead Sea. So chapter 3, Israel crosses the Jordan. Chapter 4, they set up a memorial and the uh, people have 
respect and fear of Joshua as a leader. He's admired uh, with godly fear by the people. Chapter 5, they're circumcised. They keep the Passover. And the day after the Passover, they partake of the fruit of the land for the first time in Canaan. And manna stops falling from heaven. They are in the promised land. They have work to do, but they have arrived. And they are eating of the fruit of the land. So Joshua chapter 6, we're going to break in at verse 15. This is day number 7. They've marched around the city six days in a row for six days, once a day. And here they are on day seven. Now, I hadn't thought about it before studying for this sermon, but that means if they marched seven days in a row, they were marching on a Sabbath day. And Jewish tradition would say that this was a Sabbath day, the seven times going around Jericho. This is God's work this day, and they get up at dawn, and we're going to read verse 15 of chapter 6 here, through the end of the chapter. On the seventh day they rose early, they being the, the children of Israel, at the dawn of day, and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her, as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua laid an oath on them at that time saying, "Cursed before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation and at the cost of his youngest son shall he set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. 
And we know how Achan did not obey, and we'll get to that in just a minute. What, what I'd like to draw our attention to here, though, is the strict command that God's given to the people. The strict command to keep nothing. Nothing alive should remain. The only thing they were supposed to keep was the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze. And those were to go to the treasury of God, to the tabernacle. Now this phrase that we have here, devoted to destruction, where Joshua is saying, verse 18, but you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction. In verse 17, where Joshua is giving the command, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. And this devoted to the Lord for destruction has the idea of an offering to God. So in some way they are, they are offering what they're about to do. This is, this is an offering to God. It's set apart as an offering to the Lord to be destroyed. They are not to take of it. And there's, there's precedent for that. If you look in Leviticus 27, there's instruction, verse 28 and 29 of, of chapter 27, says, Notwithstanding no devoted thing that a man shall devote unto the Lord of all that he hath, both of man and beast, and of the field of his possession, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy unto the Lord. None devoted, which shall be devoted of men, shall be redeemed but shall surely be put to death. This idea of things being consecrated to God and they can't be redeemed, they're for God alone. And God is judging the people of Jericho and the gold and the silver and the vessels of bronze and iron are for God. They're holy to him. So let's move on to chapter 7 now. I'll read the first nine verses here. And Jericho is just to the west of the Jordan River. It's close to the Dead Sea. It's a Dead Sea we know as the lowest point on land. And so Jericho is below sea level. I believe it's the lowest city uh, in the world. It's 800 feet below sea level. Ai is up on top of a nearby ridge. So we have a little over 3,000 feet of elevation difference here. So when it speaks of going up to Ai. That's what they needed to do. They were going from a low point up to Ai. Let's read the first nine verses of chapter 7. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about thirty-six of their men, and chased them before the gate as far as Shebaran, and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. 
Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? Joshua's first crisis, if you will, is leading the people of Israel. They send a few men up, and as a result of Achan's sin, we have 36 men who lose their lives. Our actions affect other people. Let's continue reading, verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, Get up, why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people, and say... Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, for thus says the Lord God of Israel. There are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes. And the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans. And the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households. And the household that the Lord takes shall come near man by man. And he who is taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near, tribe by tribe. Then the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clan of the Zerahites was taken. And he brought near the clan of the Zerahites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near his household man by man. And Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent. And behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. And they took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the people of Israel. And they laid them down before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold 
and his sons and daughters and his oxen and donkeys and sheep and his tent and all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord returned from his, turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor, or the Valley of Trouble. So what was Achan's sin? Growing up, what I usually thought of as Achan's sin was he just disobeyed God, right? That was, that was the extent of it, which was, is true. He disobeyed God. But chapter 7, verse 10 says that he, he stole and he, he lied. Well, who did he steal from? He stole from God, right? What were the articles that he stole? He stole a coat which was supposed to be destroyed. So he, he took something devoted that was supposed to be destroyed. And then he took other things that were consecrated to God, things that were supposed to be for service in the tabernacle. And he kept those things. So he was robbing God, what God had consecrated to his holy work. He coveted and he robbed God of an offering. So what's the connection between these two stories? Why discuss Rahab and then talk about Achan? I'm struck by the contrast between these two people. Rahab, a prostitute in a wicked city that's going to be destroyed. Achan, a chosen person, part of God's people, who's going to claim this promised land. Rahab believes in God. She fears the judgment of God. She seeks deliverance, not just for herself, but for her entire family. And what does Achan do? He disregards the clear warning of judgment and because of that brings destruction on his entire family. Rahab expresses belief in God and Achan demonstrates disbelief at the consequences of his actions of sin. So this morning, who do we identify as? Who do we relate to? I can think of, of four different people or people groups in, this, in the accounts we've read here. The first one is a person of Jericho who for 40 years has been scared of this people. There's no hope. Their hearts melt within them. And they're just waiting for the day they're, they're going to be conquered. They're going to be destroyed. They're going to be judged. We have Rahab, who's in that camp, but expresses belief 
in the God of the people who are coming. She recognizes God's power at work in these people, and she wants something from that. She wants something of that. And we have Achan who disobeyed and is destroyed. His entire family is killed, along with everything he owns, in addition to these 36 men who lost their lives. We have the rest of the children of Israel who are are faithful, faithful in obeying God's command. Where are we this morning? Maybe you're here this morning and you recognize that God is going to judge the world. He's all-powerful. You realize that you're in the wrong camp. You're in the wrong side of this fight. Just like Rahab expressed belief and obeyed and kept her house from being destroyed and kept everybody who was in her house from being destroyed, we have the opportunity to express faith and obedience to Christ and come to him and be delivered from destruction. You know, Rahab's past didn't keep her from being instrumental in Israel. They're put outside the camp until this time of purification and they can become part of the the people of Israel. Then she's in the lineage of, of David and of Christ for her faithfulness in believing in God. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're part of the Israelite camp. You're part of God's body of believers, chosen people, redeemed people, brought out from Egypt, brought out from sin. Maybe there's something hiding in your tent. At least 36 men and the rest of Achan's family died as a result of one man's choices. And you and I today, our actions don't take place in a void. We don't live on an island. There's a reason it's referred to as the body of Christ. We are all part of a body. We interact with each other and we affect each other. Today is still the day of salvation and restitution, and we can still say, like Achan said, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And there can be confession, there can be reconciliation. Or maybe it's the flip side of that, or another aspect of that. Or maybe maybe there's nothing hidden in our tent, but maybe there's abilities, maybe there are gifts and opportunities that God has sent our way and we're hiding them, we're not using them, we're squandering them. What should be used to the glory of God is just being stuffed and not being used. Are we committing our sinful nature to destruction? Are we devoting that to destruction? And are we committing our redeemed lives to God for his service, for his glory, for the use in his kingdom.
Are we presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice this morning? You know, Rahab didn't just sit in her house and wait and not invite anybody else to be with her. She asked for deliverance for her whole family, but her whole family, they were not automatically saved. They had to stay in the house, right? There was obedience required from each of them as well. And if they left the house, there was no guarantee that they were going to be saved. No guarantee that they were going to be spared the destruction coming to their city. So are we in God's house this morning? We have a choice to make in that. And we have a choice to leave. If we're living in obedience to Christ, we are safe, but we still have a choice to leave. And if we leave, there's judgment coming sometime. So this morning, are you choosing deliverance or are you on a path to destruction? Now is the day of salvation. I've often been blessed by a verse in Ezekiel. We, we often think of the God of the Old Testament being a God of, of justice and judgment and maybe even in our human minds, a God who's a bit harsh. But Ezekiel 33, recommend you read that chapter sometime. I'm just going to read verse 11 here. This is the Lord God talking to the children of Israel. And he's saying, say unto them, he's telling Ezekiel the prophet, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants people to come to him. He's not delighting. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But he does have pleasure in the wicked turning from their sinful ways and following him. A God of redemption, this valley of Achor, this, this valley of trouble. In the book of Hosea, this valley is referenced. And again, it's God talking about his people Israel, these people he loves, and wants them to come back to him. And Hosea 2, 14 and 15. Therefore, behold, I will allure her speaking of Israel, and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. This valley of trouble, this past of judgment, God wants to redeem. He wants to turn that into a door of hope a hopeful situation. And after this account here that we read of, of Achan, God renews his covenant with Israel. There's restoration there after the sin was taken care of.
in many ways, the world we're living in is the city of Jericho. There's going to be a judgment day coming. There's going to be a time of destruction. Doesn't matter how strong the walls are, how high the walls are, how tightly barred the gates are. God's going to win. Doesn't matter how mighty the soldiers are, how, how buttoned up you feel life is for you. You know, there's going to be another trumpet that blows. There's going to be another shout. And this earthly life as we know it is going to cease to be. We will all be exposed to the judgment of God. Are we in the house this morning? Like Rahab obeyed and hung out that scarlet cord, have we responded to the call of the gospel and been covered by the crimson blood of Christ? The choice is ours this morning. The opportunity is still open for us. Let's choose well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, the truth of your word. And we thank you for stories in your word that show us the humanity of your people and how your love is there persistently even when we choose wrong. Even when we go astray, you're there and you're a God of redemption, a God who wants each of us to turn to you. And Lord, I thank you for this body of believers here. Thank you for the faithfulness of the church. And Lord, all of us have the ability to, to covet to rob you of something, to turn aside and commit sin. And I pray that if there's anyone here who has something hidden in their tent, as it were, that they would turn to you, that they would recognize that will keep them from your kingdom, that it affects those around them, even if others don't know about it. And I thank you for being the perfect judge. Thank you for drawing us to yourself. And I pray that when you return with a shout and with a trumpet, that we would be found faithful, that we would be in your house, in your kingdom, part of your body. So Lord, I pray that you would bless this body of believers and each one of us would be sensitive to your spirit as we go from here this week. We pray these things in Christ's name.